going to talk tonight about the doctrine of regeneration or the doctrine of the new birth. So now we're moving from the doctrine of man into the doctrine of uh, salvation. So sometimes you hear that called soteriology. Um, the word soter is a Greek word meaning savior. Um, so the doctrine of salvation. And we're going to start with um, the doctrine of regeneration. And the key text for that is uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 3, where Nicodemus has his conversation, or excuse me, Jesus has his conversation with Nicodemus um, and tells him that he must be born again. All right, so um, we talked about the how man was made in the image of God, right? Made in the image and likeness of God, so we have dignity and value and worth. Uh, but that because of Adam's sin, all of us are born in sin, born with a sin nature. Um, and Ephesians 2 says that we are all dead in our trespasses and sins, right? Apart from Christ, we are all spiritually dead. That's the, and we've kind of seen that in, in uh, Romans 5 as well on Sunday mornings, right? That Adam's sin brought death into the world, not just for him, but for everybody. And that's not just physical death, but also spiritual death, right? Spiritual um, uh, separation from God um, and, and spiritual death. So if we are dead in our sin, uh, then we need to be made alive, right? Or um, if we, uh, you know, are, um, you know, we're, we're in need of salvation. Our, our, we were made to be in fellowship with God, but that has been destroyed that has been uh, you know killed through sin that needs to be regenerated that needs to be restored so uh, when you talk about regeneration we're talking about giving life to something that has died or something that has been broken off right so like a, a lizard can regenerate its tail right or a starfish can regenerate an arm I think um, and uh, so that's um, that's the kind of thing that we're talking about when we talk about regeneration. So in uh, John chapter 3, we're familiar with this passage, right? Nicodemus comes to Jesus, and um, Jesus says to him in verse 3, uh, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So Nicodemus, even though he's a teacher in Israel, he's a respected figure, um, he's obviously a... Uh, descendant of Abraham, Jesus says to him, Nicodemus, for all your, um, you know, religious resume, you cannot see the kingdom of God unless you are born again. Even you, Nicodemus, need a radical new birth in order to see the kingdom of God. And so Nicodemus says to him, Basically, what are you talking about? How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Well, of course, that's not what Jesus is talking about. Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. So uh, Jesus is emphatic in this teaching right to Nicodemus that he must have new life he must be regenerated he must be born again he's not okay as he is um, 
And uh, then Jesus says in verse 8, The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. So uh, this is something that we cannot control. Right? This is something that we cannot manipulate. When God uh, brings about the new birth, it's like the blowing of the wind. I mean, nobody knows where it goes or comes from. Nobody controls it. Um, that's it's just how it works, right? So that's why, um, you know, whenever somebody says, if you will have this crusade or do this evangelistic program, we can guarantee you, you know, this many salvation decisions, whatever. I'm like, you guys are talking about something else than what I'm interested in, right? Because uh, I'm interested in the preaching of the gospel. I'm interested in evangelism, but I'm not interested in something that you can do that can produce predictable results because that's not how the Holy Spirit works. Um, Jesus says the new birth is not something that we can predict or control. Um, it happens according to the will of the Spirit, right? Um, the wind blows, and the, the word for Part of why this verse works this way, verse 8, is the word for wind and the word for spirit are the same word. Right? So the wind or the spirit blows where it wishes. And you hear it sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit. Right? Same word as wind. So the spirit is the one who brings about the new birth when and where and how he wants to. Right? And But it's absolutely necessary right, that we be born again or we can't see the kingdom of God. Now, there's a powerful story about someone encountering this doctrine um, from the history of the church. There was a young uh, college student uh, in the 1700s in England. His name was George, um, and I think he was at Oxford, if I remember correctly. Um, and he was... Uh, reading a book, a spiritual book, um, and this is what he said about his experience from reading that book. He said, God showed me that I must be born again or be damned. I learned that a man may go to church, say his prayers, receive the sacrament, take the Lord's Supper, uh, and yet not be a Christian. How did my heart rise and shudder like a poor man that is afraid to look into his account books lest he should find himself bankrupt? Shall I burn this book? Shall I throw it down? Or shall I search it? I did search it, and holding the book in my hand, thus addressed the God of heaven and earth, Lord, if I am not a Christian, or if I am not a real one, for Jesus Christ's sake, show me what Christianity is that I may not be damned at last. Now, the man who wrote those words and who went through that experience and who was born again and became a great preacher of the truth that you must be born again was a man named George Whitfield, who was um, one of the two, one of the three great preachers of the Great Awakening that occurred in both. England and in the colonies here um, in America, um, George Whitfield and John Wesley and Jonathan Edwards were the three men that God used most powerfully in that time of awakening. Um, and part of what Whitfield preached about uh, over and over and over again was you can be a member of the Church of England, 
You can be, you know, a faithful church attender. You can read your book of common prayer. And if you have not been brought from death to life, you're not a Christian, right? You have, the, in other words, Christianity is not a, um, just a thing that you can do, that you can accomplish. It's something that God must do to you, right? That you must be born again. In other words, he's saying to people in Nicodemus' shoes, right, religious people, Good religious Church of England people. Uh, the same thing that Jesus was saying to Nicodemus. Nicodemus, I don't, it doesn't matter that you're a Jew or that you've studied the scriptures your whole life. You've got to be born again or you can't see the kingdom. Um, now, when Jesus says you have to be born again, you must be born of water and the spirit. We've talked about this, I think, recently. Uh, I think what he is uh, alluding to is um, a prophecy in Ezekiel 36 where God talks about um, the new covenant what he's going to do in the new covenant he's going to take out his people's hearts of stone and he's going to give them a heart of flesh and he's going to put a new spirit in them and give them his spirit to dwell in them and he's going to um, sprinkle them with water so that they'll be clean I think this is what Jesus is talking about you need to be cleansed you need a new life a new heart a new spirit you need to be made new um, so that's what Jesus tells Nicodemus. And you might think, well, if he only told Nicodemus that, then does it apply to everybody else? Or is this something that everybody needs to know? But this is not the only place that um, the new birth is spoken of. Uh, it's not always talked about in the same terms. Um, but this reality is taught all throughout the scripture. Ezekiel 36, of course, is an Old Testament example. And then Ephesians 2 is another really clear example of uh, the new birth or regeneration. Paul doesn't use those words, but he teaches the same truth, right? So in Ephesians 2.1, he says, You were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, and so on. And then he says in verse 4, But God... Being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved. So Paul says, you were born again. You were spiritually dead, but God made you alive in his mercy, right? even though you were dead. And that's the same thing Jesus is talking about when he talks about the new birth. Uh, you must be born again. You must go from death to life. Um, it's not enough simply to come from a religious family or have a religious background or anything like that or try to make yourself a religious person. You need spiritual life, and spiritual life can only be given to you by God. Um, and uh, that's absolutely necessary. Um, Paul talks about it again in Titus. Uh, this is not a book that uh, we look at very often. It's a pretty short book, but it's a, it's a powerful book. It's a rich book. In Titus 3, 5, he says that um, he saved us, God our Savior saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. So, he saved us by washing us, right, by cleansing us from sin, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. So there again, you've got that idea that the Holy Spirit is the one who brings about 
regeneration and cleansing, who makes us new, who gives us new life. And that's an absolutely fundamental part of our uh, salvation. Right? And it's the kind of thing where um, even if, you know, whether or not you can sort of pinpoint a particular moment or, you know, area of your season of your life when you were saved, um, if you were very old at all, you can probably look back and say, you know, there was a time where I was, I was dead to all those things. I didn't care about the Bible. I didn't care about church. I didn't care about Bible study or sermons or singing in church. You know, even if I was growing up and all that stuff, I just did it because I was supposed to. But then there came a time where um, it's like the lights came on, right? And all of a sudden... I wanted to learn all that I could. I wanted to read the Bible for myself. I wanted to be around other Christians. Um, it was like I was brought from death to life, right? and that's exactly what happened. Um, Peter, uh, one more text we'll look at in First Peter, uh, chapter one, verse three. He, uh, Peter says, "Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again." to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So God is the one, again here, who um, brings about the new birth. He's the one who causes us to be born again. He reaches down when we're still dead in our sin, and he raises us to life. He gives us the new birth. Um, It is a marvelous, miraculous, gracious work, and it happens through the hearing of the gospel, right? So later in that same chapter in First Peter, um, verse twenty-three, uh, starting in verse twenty-three, he says, "Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed like the kind we put in the ground, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding Word of God." And then later he explains, "And this Word is the good news that was preached to you." So you were born again through a seed, but not the normal kind of earthly seed that you would put in the ground or whatever. A seed that is imperishable, and the imperishable seed I'm talking about is God's Word, more specifically the Gospel. It's through the Gospel that uh, God brings about the new birth. So um, that's encouraging, right? Because when we hear... Jesus say in John 3 that you have to be born again, but there's not really anything anybody can do to bring it about. It's the Spirit's work. And Peter says in in 1 Peter, it's God's work. And Paul says in Ephesians 2, it's God's work bringing about this new life, this new birth. And I think, well, there's somebody in my life who I want to be born again. Is there anything I can do? Well, there's nothing you can do to make the new birth happen. Right? Um, we all know from experience, there are people we want to be saved. There's nothing we can do that can make them believe and make them, um, you know, be born again. But what you can do is you can plant the seed, right? You can put the seed in their life because it's through that seed of the gospel that God brings about uh, the new birth, that God brings us from death to life. So um, being born again is essential 
for entering the kingdom. It is specifically the work of the Holy Spirit, um, and it brings us from spiritual death uh, to spiritual life. This is, um, again, another part of our salvation that we don't normally, well, that you're probably not aware of until after it's already happened. Right? And then after it's already happened and you read the Bible and you realize what needed to happen and what did happen if you're saved, then you look back and say, either I know when that happened, I can see when that happened, or you say, I have no idea when that happened, but I can, I can see the evidence of it. Right? Um, it's like if somebody says, um, you know, I need, I need proof that you were born. I need to see your birth certificate. You say, well, I don't have a birth certificate. Well, does that mean that you're dead? No. Right? The evidence that you're alive is that you're breathing, you're up walking around, right? There, here's the proof that I was born. I may not be able to tell you where or what day, but here I am, right? Same thing with salvation. I mean, some people can say, I know, I know the moment when God brought me from death to life. And that's great. And some people say, I don't know, but I know that I'm alive. I know that the Holy Spirit is dwelling inside of me. I know that I'm a changed person. I know that um, I've been given life in Christ. And I'm not really sure exactly when it happened, but I know that it happened because I'm spiritually alive. I'm spiritually breathing and growing and and all the rest. So um, anyway, so that's that's sort of a quick uh, overview, right, of the new birth and why it's necessary and who does it and how it works. Um, So do y'all have any questions or comments about